Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from outside of Hilo, Hawaii. And we are dressed for the occasion today because we are going to be discussing heart rate monitoring and training zones and why they matter. Um, I actually had a good friend of mine, Dr. Jared Wallen, not only a, a good friend, but a great doctor. And he um, was asking about this. And this is something we do get some questions about. And this is not just for endurance athletes, you know, triathletes, cyclists or or runners, this is for, I think, everybody that is doing any kind of training should know how and why to monitor their heart rate. So um, first of all, let's talk about how to monitor your heart rate. Um, if we were talking about this 10 years ago, it was a little bit different. You didn't have a lot of the watches yet and stuff, and they were mostly chest monitors. Um, I'm still a big fan of a chest monitor. I, I use a chest monitor when I ride my bike. Um there's, I, I think the wrist ones and, and the watches and so forth have gotten more accurate. Um, however, I'm just, I just like the chest monitors. Um, Garmin makes one, Polar makes them. Um, there's, there's lots of brands out there. Uh, most of them are Bluetooth compatible. Um, I like Garmin because I use a Garmin bike computer. Um, but uh, Polar will, will work for Bluetooth um there, there's other brands out there you know obviously there's apple watches and, and things and i'm sure there's an apple there's an apple watch will connect with certain other other heart rate monitors maybe apple has a heart rate monitor i'm not sure but i'm just a big fan of the chest straps there are like 10 percent of the population that the chest straps don't work for them but i can honestly tell you i never met somebody i've heard somebody talk about it but i never met somebody that a chest strap doesn't work so um that's first and foremost, and, and it connects to your phone. There's different apps where you can, um, you know, download the app to to, to um, connect to your phone to check your heart rate. And there's different computers it can to, um, you know, whether it be a Wahoo computer, a Garmin bike computer. Those are those are two of the most popular ones with bikes. There's also programs that you can do um, that heart rate monitor, monitored based um, on um, cycling. Whether it be um, Trainer Road, Trainer Road is more power based. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Zwift is more power based too, but also the you know you you work out on your indoor trainer in front of a computer that monitors your heart rate and um, your your power too. So, so Janet, what do you want to say about um, heart rate zones? Okay, well, the first first, if you're not an endurance athlete or have trained athletically, you may not have even know what a zone is. So usually there's five different zones and I'm going to start with somebody who's just trying to get fit. Um, you know, don't make it difficult, you know, look into it, but don't make it difficult for yourself. The reason we're talking about it is because it's always good to know how to progress and if you have a goal. So that's why it becomes important for people that are getting fit as to where those zones are and what they mean. And so um, many times, you know, when Sean and I grew up, you know, when you're a kid and you're, you're working out, nobody really talked to you about it. It's not until after we get into college or even into, um, you know, uh, maybe our mid thirties or forties, that it became a big deal 
for just regular athletes, but I'm sure for when you had Olympic athletes, when you've had college athletes and professional athletes, they know full well what those zones are. Um, but the reason we're talking about it isn't to make working out difficult. It's just to help people achieve their own personal goals. And it's, it's a really good tool to use. And, and speaking of that, um, regular heart rate monitoring, you know, back in high school, for instance, yeah, you know, this was 35 years ago. The, you know, your, the way you figure out your maximum heart rate was 220 minus your age. Right. And that is still around. Um, that, that, that is, that it doesn't work. Most people will not be meet, meeting their full potential if they use that. I will tell you that one, that is 25 points off of what my maximum heart rate is. So I would definitely be under training if, if I used that 220 minus your age. And Regular heart rate monitoring, but back in those days, the only way you could do it was you check your pulse um, right after you worked out. Well, first of all, your heart rate starts coming down immediately, almost immediately. If you're doing really, really, really hard intervals, your your heart rate will go up a little bit for a few seconds um, afterwards, but it starts coming down. So it's not very accurate unless you're doing it on the fly. And it wasn't until the 90s, I think, probably the early 90s, where they really started having easy continuous heart rate monitors that athletes could use. And, and that really was a game changer. Um, so let's talk about some of those zones and why, and, and this is not just for, and I said, this is not just for um, endurance athletes, but let's say, you know, hit is really popular. Right. Tabata is really popular. And, and, and so you go hard, right? You go hard for a minute, two minutes, take a 30 second break. Well, how hard do you know you're going if you're not measuring it? Right. I mean, seriously. And and it's like, why does a car have a speedometer? Because if you're trying to guess how fast you're going, you're going to be wrong. I guarantee you, you'll be wrong. So you can't, I, I mean, there's something to be said about RPE, which is, you know, rel, uh, you know, perceived exertion, relative perceived exertion. But the only way you can really get to a relative perceived exertion on like a one to 10 scale is you know how hard you're working based on what your heart rate um, what you've been monitoring your heart rate at. So ultimately you want to be able to go harder for a longer time and keep your heart rate down. So for instance, when you're not in, when you're not doing, when you're not in good fitness, so we'll use running for an example, I will use biking for an example, and I won't, I won't use power numbers. I'll use speed because it's easier. And, and you could, this will cross over to running too. You're on flat ground. Let's say you're going 20 miles an hour on a bike, no wind, same, same, same road conditions and your heart rate reach and you do that for five miles and your heart rate reaches a maximum of 170. Well, let's say when you get to be fitter, you go 20 miles an hour, that same five mile stretch, you know, your heart rate will maybe only be 160, 155. So that's why you need to monitor it. it it's no different than lifting weights. If you don't know how much weight you're lifting, then you never know if you're progressing or not. So that's, that's it's the same. It's it, it is the it's same. Exact, it's the same exact concept. But like Janet says, don't make it too complicated. And remember, these are zones. We're going to talk about some zones. Our body does not have on and off switches where, you know, oh, you're in zone one, you're in zone two, you're in zone three. Our body does not work like that. Okay. It is not black and white. Janet, what do you have right. to say? So let, let's define the zones because not everybody understands them unless, unless they've been trained, 
you know, and have done a lot of research themselves. So let's define some of these zones because we're talking about it, but you may not know what it means if you haven't been trained. So the first zone is really, as most people would think of, you can talk real easy. It's slow. It's, it's a good slow pace. Where that becomes important for athletes is this is a good place to warm up. This is a great place to warm up and cool down. So that's why it's important to know what that, that zone is for you. And also recovery happens during that, that, that place. But let's say you want to, uh, like Sean said, you want to improve. Well, if you don't know where those zones are and you can't, you know, you, you need to put the time in and you need to learn it. So, so that's why it's important. So zone one is, not much higher than your average heart rate. Um, depends on the person, but it, it's not very difficult to reach. Probably 50 or 60 points higher, depending yeah. on the person. But how do you find your how do you find your zones? So this is the more difficult part, but it's not really difficult. It doesn't have to be difficult. Is it hard? Sure, it's hard, but it's very worthwhile. There's two different ways to do it. Um, on a bike, what you do is you go all out for 20 minutes. And I will tell you the first time I did it's called it's it's called a lactic acid a lactic acid threshold heart rate test. And basically what it means is you're you're you are burning lactic acid instead of once you get to that zone of lactic acid above your uh, when you're burning when you're burning lactic acid instead of glucose then that's when you're your body starts to say, I can't go any harder. So you have to know that it's not really maximum heart rate yet. Um, that's usually quite a bit higher, but it's, it's, it's how long you can sustain yourself before you're starting to go downhill. So um, all out on a, on a bike for 20 minutes um, and you, then you um, average your heart rate for that 20 minute period um, on a run. You basically um, can do the same thing. Although, even indoors, you can test what's called your VO2 max, and you can ch check these. There's videos online on how to do this, but running with your VO2 max to kind of get that lactic acid threshold heart rate um, right before you stop burning sugar and you start burning uh, more lactic acid, um, you go all out for 10 minutes. And on, on a pace, like on a 1% treadmill, probably is the most is the most accurate way because you can pace yourself the easiest there. Um, and then those last, and you just keep going harder and harder to find your VO2 max harder and harder every minute. And until the last two minutes, you go as hard as you can. And when you reach that level, that is your, that is your VO2 max pace. And then your heart rate will be at your VO2 max by then too. Again, is it perfect? No, but it is a great tool. So I'm going to use my numbers because I know them. Um, and by the way, I've been training for since 2013. And even though, you know, obviously I've gotten, um, you know, 11 years older, 10 years older, my heart rate zones have not changed. My power zones have changed, but my heart rate zones have not changed. So just because you're getting older does not mean your heart rate shouldn't, your heart rate shouldn't pump as hard as it was when you were, when you were younger. That's why 220 minus your age does not work. Because if you look at my VO2 max, I have a VO2 max of a 20-year-old, so it would totally, totally misrepresent my VO2 max or my my heart rate. So let's talk about those zones. So let's say my 
Well, and view, go five, ahead. There's five zones right. usually. So that, that let's do that. So you find your maximum, you find your 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 threshold heart rate, your VO2 max heart rate, top of threshold heart rate, which is when you start burning lactic acid. And I'm going to use mine as an example. Mine's 173, 170 to 173. So when I'm racing, for instance, that's where I will try to not go much higher than that, except peak a little bit if I'm doing a really hard climb or I'm doing a sprint or I'm trying to pass somebody. I don't try to go much higher than 170 to 173 because after that, I start going, my power levels are going to start dropping off fast. Because that's your zone five. Because that, that is my zone, top of zone four, right before zone five when you start um, going downhill. So zone one, recovery zone. It's usually 50% or oh, so. Or warm-up zone. Or warm-up zone, recovery zone. It's usually 50% or so of your your VO2 max, your lactic acid threshold, heart rate. Um, both of those are about the same within a few points. So so for my heart rate, if, it's, if my um, lactic acid threshold heart rate is 170, then my recovery zone would be anything below 140. Um, but I will tell you when I'm recovering or doing a long, a, just a, 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 a recovery ride, recovery spin, I'm well under 140. I'm more like in the 120s. I try to just stay 120. And remember, recovery is also this. This is why we need to know this. This is recovery is not just for endurance athletes. Um, recovery is also for hit training or Tabata. So you need to know what happens to your heart rate during recovery. So, I will tell you, if you are doing hit, you will reach you will reach um, those zones if you do it long enough. Um, you sprint in place, you start jumping, you start jumping up and down, um, doing doing burpees, something like doing burpees with a jump, and I guarantee you, you can get your heart rate into the one seventies into your VO two max range, probably within thirty seconds to a minute. You do need to know that. Now, then when you rest that 30 seconds or 10 seconds or 15 seconds, how is your heart rate coming down? That's when you recover. That's what the most important part about it is, is recovery. So you need to know what your heart rate is doing during recovery. <clears throat> so it's not just long periods. It's also short periods. And how fast does your heart rate come down? So that is that is your recovery. Recovery zone is zone one. Zone two is endurance zone. So this is probably more important for an endurance athlete. Um, endurance zone is um, 55, 50 to 75% of, of your maximum heart rate. Not your VO2 max heart rate, but your VO2, your, your maximum heart rate. Your maximum heart rate is usually about 20 points higher than your VO2 max heart rate. So my maximum heart rate is 189. And I've been there before, and it's my maximum heart rate, let me tell you, because it hurts, and it hurts bad. So um the difference when you're going into one into two is one, you can talk really easy. The conversation's easy. When you start getting into zone two, it does become a little bit harder. It's not extremely hard. It's not like you're at zone five where there's no way you're going to be talking very well. But zone two, you start having to think about what you're saying. And that's kind of a, a good tool too, because, you know, as you train and, and you become really comfortable with your, those zones, you can recognize real quickly where you are. And when you, like Jan said, when you, when you get good at it, you can almost guess what your heart rate is. You can guess what kind of power you're putting out because you've done enough. That's called RP. Very important to know how hard you're going um, with, even without a monitor, but a monitor will help you know your RP. So endurance zone, 
for endurance athletes, um, that is a zone that you can you can exercise at for an extended right. period of time. For a long an extended period of time. I mean, up to 12 hours. And I will tell you this, longer than that, if you are a trained endurance athlete. Um, the people that do ultra marathons, the people that do um, – you know, 24-hour biking or they bike across the United States as fast as they can and they're going for 24, 36 hours at a time. These They're staying in zone one, zone two, almost all the time. Right. Um, and, and why is that? There's a couple reasons that is. Many reasons why. Because your body can recover a lot faster. You're not burning as many calories and you can burn fat more efficiently and you don't need to eat as much because you're not necessarily burning glucose. Right. Um, this is where, this is where the, the keto people really stop. They, 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 they confuse, they get a lot of things confused and they will say, well, you know, so-and-so an ultra marathoner, you know, he eats keto and he does fine. And there's some of them that do. Okay. That's fine. But, but here's one of the reasons why even the triathletes, the age group triathletes that finish, you know, a, a, an Ironman triathlon in 15 hours. They're usually in zone ones and zone two. They'll probably push into zone three a little bit if they have to, but they'll, they'll they'll try to drop back down. So they can burn mostly fat for the entire time. Remember, in a triathlon, they burn 1,000 calories an hour. So if they do 15 hours, it's 15,000 calories. There is no way, no way you can eat that much, especially at exertion. There's no way your, your stomach and your intestinal tract can, can digest and absorb that much nutrient. So you have to learn how to burn fat in zone one and zone two. It's not that difficult. So you train your body. So zone three, you step up to what's called tempo. <clears throat> this is where most bike races and um, running races, as far as endurance races, this is the zone they normally stay in is zone three. So, when they're racing. Yeah. Now, this is when you start getting into zone three, and you can just notice it when you start getting into zone three. It gets hard. It gets harder to talk. And it's like when people try to talk to you, you just start, just, no, no, I don't want to talk. Um, and, um, but this is a very, very powerful zone because your body is still anaerobic. It's not, it's not, it, it's still aerobic. It's not anaerobic yet. It's still burning oxygen. It's using glucose as fuel and still, still burning oxygen. So, um, this zone, you can go for a long time. This is a zone I shoot for when I have um, races that are um, going to be any more than going to be three to five to six hours. This is a zone I always shoot for. So my zone, by the way, my zone two, zone two is a pretty big zone. That endurance zone is a pretty big zone. It goes from 140 beats a minute to 153 beats a minute, 152 actually. That's my zone two. Um, so I, that's a huge zone. So I can stay in that zone and still stay, stay aerobic and go for a long time at that zone. And I've done that zone and, and done 10, 12 hour races before, um, and stayed in that zone. <clears throat> zone three, you start burning a lot more glucose. This is where, this is where you start needing to fuel appropriately. You always need to fuel appropriately. This is where you really need to, to start fueling with glucose. In my opinion, this is where the keto people get it wrong, um, I believe. And even when we go to the next heart rate zone, we'll talk about that even more. Um, it gets very difficult. I mean, for the keto people out there that are watching, if you've ever tried to eat anchovies, sardines, and drink oil at a heart rate of 155, I dare you to. 
I mean, seriously, it's hard enough to drink, to drink sugar water um, or get anything down. So this is where I don't think that, you know, keto works very well at all. And your, your, your body is starting to, you know, you're using up your glycogen stores first, you're using up your glucose in your blood and what's in your gut. And then you can, you're still burning fat. Remember, these are still zones and our body does not have an on and off switch that you burn fat and then you burn glucose, you burn glycogen. You, you we're burning it all the time. And yes, for you bodybuilders out there that talk about catabolic and anabolic and all this, you are burning muscle all the time. I get it. You want to minimize that, but you are always burning some muscle. Always. You're always tearing down and having to build. It's the only way to build stuff is, yeah. is to tear stuff down. So um, zone three, so zone three, you step up. My zone three is 153 to one to 160. Pretty small window. And they, they call that zone tempo. And on the higher end of it, maybe sweet spot, because that sweet spot is like where you can go for a long time before you become anaerobic and you're burning. You're not you're not utilizing oxygen anymore. You're using lactic acid instead of instead of um, glucose. Um, zone three feels good to go in for a long time when you're fit. Um, you can just feel like you go for it for you can feel like you go forever. Um, eventually you do get fatigued depending on many other factors in, in, including fuel. That's why it's so important to fuel appropriately. So you don't bonk. Um, zone four is where you get into that's zone four is called threshold zone. My zone four, remember my VO two max is 173 ish. Um, my zone four is 160 to 170, 173. So a, a fairly big zone, but that's the threshold zone. That's where you start working really hard. You are still in theory, um, burn it, use, utilize an oxygen instead of lactic acid until you get up into the higher, higher end of the zone. But again, not an on off switch. You're still doing that process all the time. Um, this zone you can, um, usually compete at for, three for one to, to two, two and a half hours, maybe. Now remember with heart rate, there's a lot of things that can vary your heart rate. So it's not just, it's not just how fast you go. There's other things that vary your heart rate. That's why heart rate is not perfect to monitor performance because what, what else um, dictates your heart rate? Humidity, heat, elevation. Let me tell you, I just got done climbing Mauna Kea, the longest mountain bike climb in the world. And the last 2,000 feet of climbing, which is like four miles tall, it's really steep, is brutal. And it, it was almost impossible to keep my heart rate from not getting to zone four even. So I had to do, I had to rest a lot. So I was trying to keep my heart rate down. I wasn't trying to say records, just trying to finish elevation has it, you know, it's at 12,500 feet up there uh, at the top 13,800 elevation has a huge, huge effect on your heart rate. Dehydration does too. Um, your heart rate will go up as you get dehydrated. Makes sense, right? As you get dehydrated, your volume of blood goes down. Your heart rate has to pump faster in order to to um, perfuse all your tissues, especially when you're exercising. So, um, this is this is your race zone. Like if you're a a racer, less than two hours. So most of my cross country mountain bike races, this is the zone I'm in. So I'll stay in this zone, um, the upper end of the zone for two hours, two and a half hours. So my heart rate will average 168 or so, 170 for two to two and a half hours. Um, but I will tell you this, 
last year in in South Dakota, one of my favorite mountain bike races, the Dakota 5.0. It's a 50, it's a 50 mile mountain bike race. And my goal is always to finish in five hours. Um, so I try to go in zone three. I try to keep my heart rate about mid 150s, 155 or so. Well, after that rate, the heat was brutal. Um, so even though I, I was pedaling as hard as I could, but my power wasn't that much um, because I was, it was hot. It was a hundred degrees. And so by the end, you know, um, I couldn't pedal as hard without my heart rate going up and my, my heart rate averaged 160 for five, for five hours and 15 minutes. So, which is more than I wanted to, but that's all I could do to, to really get the, um, to really finish in the time I wanted to. But again, there, that's, that's one of the things about heart rate is it's, it's not necessarily just performance based. There's other conditions too. Also stress, Another reason to monitor heart rate is because when you when you get when you when you start monitoring your heart rate, you'll know what your you know you'll know what your resting heart rate is more often. And, and those of you that follow that anyway on on your watch or on a um, device, you, you might know that. But as you get stressed, your heart rate your resting heart rate will go up. So it's important to to know those things, Janet. So so as we've just kind of briefly went over the fact that. A lot of things play into this, but um, one of the things I think that is really important to remember is that, you know, not every moment in time has to be perfect. It's a tool. It's to help guide you and help you and see where your endurance is, to see how you have progressed. Um, so it's not the end all, but it does give you also a trigger to say, hey, I need to back up down a little bit if I need to. I'm in a place where I'm uncomfortable or I shouldn't be. And that's kind of one of the places that you need to say, maybe I need to stop for a while. I mean, that's important too. I mean, there's, you see these athletes that are barely making it across the finish line and that's not really a healthy situation sometimes. So, you know, pulling back can be a healthy thing for you to decide that, Hey, you know, I'm in this place that I need, you know, I need to be aware of. So it helps with awareness and, and helps you make better choices and decisions. So one race Sean was in, he lost some water bottles and it was very hot. Um, so you have to decide, can I, can I replace them? How am I going to hydrate? It's really hot this day. I'm already, you know, I'm already at this place. You know, what decisions could be appropriate or not? Yeah, I, I decided to drop out because it could have been dangerous if I would have tried to finish the race without without a water bottle. So let's go over the zones really quick again, and I'll go over those top zones. I didn't mention the numbers of the zones, but recovery zone is zone one. Mm -hmm. Endurance is zone two. Uh, tempo is zone three. Threshold is zone four. The um, Zone five is after threshold. Remember, after threshold you start burning lactate. You're not, you, you, you are becoming more anaerobic. So you're stopping to burn sugar as much and you're burning lactate. And this is the next one would be the VO2 max zone. So this is where a zone where, um, you know, it, it's because you're, you're not burning, you're not utilizing oxygen like you were anymore. And um, you're burning lactate you're on a downhill slide, so you can't do this zone for very long. Uh, so true VO2 max levels, um, you can only really perform them for 
one to eight minutes. And I will tell you, eight minutes is a long time. I mean, the longest VO2 max intervals I've ever done are five. I can only usually do that one. I can't repeat them. Um, that's usually when I'm doing a, a five-minute VO2 max test. And they, they are brutal. They are very, very, very difficult. Um, and they're really... You, you really won't that that's really the last one that you can test off of heart rate so that's zone five and even zone five that's you can do that one but anaerobic is what's the next one is zone six is anaerobic and because there's such short intervals they're like 30 seconds to a minute you know your heart rate takes a minute it takes a while to come up anyway you really can't test anaerobic you really heart rate monitoring on anaerobic intervals um, doesn't do any good at all um, because you just your heart you don't do them long enough to really get your heart rate up there. So the next one would be um, zone. Let's see, zone 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 five is VO two max. Zone six is is anaerobic. Zone seven is um, um, sprint. And again, sprints are, are really zone, zone eight. They're 15 seconds. They're, they're, they're 10 to 30 seconds. Um, and that's a whole other different mechanism of how our body gets energy. It's, it's from the creatine phosphate systems, the CP system. You're not burning lactate. You're not burning glucose. It's um, very for very, very short intervals. Usually your heart rate won't. Depending on how much you, how your heart rate started at, at the beginning, your heart rate won't get up that high anyway after ten to thirty seconds. It will get up there for sure, but you can't monitor your heart rate consistently doing those because they're so they're so they're such short intervals. That's when you have to go to monitoring speed or monitoring power. And Sh Sharon Burns says hello. You know, I think you know we're in Hawaii, Sharon, and I see snow in the background of your profile picture. And um, what is it? It must be. It must be. 1240 there. So hi, Sharon. Um, let's see. What else? What else do you want to say about, about heart rate monitoring? Well, um, for the average person who's just kind of wondering whether you are just starting or not, zone one is perfect to start because you're still burning fat. Zone two, you're burning fat too. So for just somebody who's starting to get active, walking, is a zone one and everybody needs to walk. I even bikers need to walk. Sean's coach will say you need to walk. Um, it's weight bearing. It's safe. It's, it's a great place to be, but we have had friends that have came to us along the way that, you know, they, they've been training to stay fit and they're trying to get ahead and they just hit a wall. So my recommendation and Sean's recommendation to somebody who is trying to progress in this, in this way is get a coach, break down and get a coach. They're really not as expensive as you think. And the nice thing about that is that they help you because a lot of times when it's yourself, you keep making this repetitive plan for yourself, which I'm not saying that that might not be a good thing, but there's times where it doesn't always fit in and work. And a coach can be very good at guiding you. So when we talk about exercising, a lot of times when we are short on time, Sean's coach will have him do jumps in between different exercises, which gets his heart rate up fast and he doesn't have to be on a bike for, for long periods of time. But, but the goal is with this is that you have somebody that has training and understands 
what it is. And it doesn't mean that you are, you know, going to be in the Boston Marathon or, you know, maybe even do races like Sean, but, you know, maybe you have a goal to um, just run a marathon or half a marathon or just improve your health. There's plenty of people out there and sources to help you with it because you don't have to make it as hard as complicated. It's very easy. There's tools out there. So don't let it like scare you. But the nice thing about knowing what that is, is you start realizing, you know, where, where is my fitness level? And that's, that's a nice place to be too. Do you know, can I, can I go further or not? Can I keep in that race or not? You know, so there's many tools and, and good things about it. Or progress your workout. Right. And and I will say, I, I think there's, there's probably, you know, at the gym, you never know what somebody's goals are. But I will tell you, I think there's a lot of people that don't go hard enough um, when they're when they're doing cardio. And I think one of the reasons they don't go, they're not going hard enough, is because they're not monitoring it. it doesn't look like they're going hard, um, and, and maybe that's not their goal. But I will tell you, if your cardio workouts are short, probably the the more intense they are, the better. And how do you know how intense they are if you're not monitoring your heart rate? Um, that that's the important thing. And if you look at most athletes, whether they're rowers, whether they're runners, whether they're cyclists, um, look at Orange Theory too. Orange Theory monitors heart rates. Why? Because it, it is a it is a way to monitor your performance. So um, this is not just for endurance athletes. Um, back to the fueling too. So we we get this question a, a lot. So if you are typically if your workouts are short. And typically, if, if they're gym workouts, most people don't go to the gym more than an hour. And also, most people don't do cardio in the gym for one hour. And if they do, it's in zone one or zone two. Typically, the question will get, what do I eat before? What do I eat during? What do I eat after? Now, that, that answer is different for everybody. But I will tell you, if you're not at ideal body weight and you're trying to lose weight, then you do not need to eat anything before, during, or after your workout if you're in zone one and zone two. Nothing. Um, you know, because just hydration. Just hydration because yeah. you are just, you're going to be burning, you're not even going to burn through all your glycogen, um, you know, which you have 1,500 calories of glycogen in your system, which is good enough for an hour and a half of intense exercise. Right. Um, you know, so you're talking zone four for one and a half hours. Um, so most people, you know, even CrossFitters, Crossfitters don't need to. Now, if they're super lean already, then they might want to eat during, before, or after. Um, and it, but it, it depends on your goal. If, you're, if your goal is weight loss, then you do not need to eat before, during, or after those zone one, zone two workouts. You start getting into zone three and longer, then yeah. Now, zone three, zone four, if you're doing HIT workouts and the HIT, and the HIT session is 10 minutes and your heart rate was at 170 for two minutes, then no. The answer is no, you don't necessarily need to eat after, during, and before, um, um, depending on the length of it. Because look at what your average heart rate is going to be over the entire and the entire session. So that's another thing important about, about monitoring your heart rate. Not only do you see what your peak heart rate is, but you see what your average is over the entire workout. That's a very, very good guide also. So you can also um, sense your recovery. Um, what else, Jan? I think I answered all the questions I wanted to answer. Well, the thing I want to talk about hydration is I'm not a fan and there's probably times where I've had to break down and use Gatorade. Gatorade is not a tool. 
um, that I like to use very often, partly just because there's way too much sugar in it. Half strength, you're going to use Gator, you use yeah. half strength. Um, but when we say hydration, a lot of times you need electrolytes in it. And I think that means a big deal. And especially when you are in a very warm environment, um, like where we are from in Moses Lake, if you're doing any outside sports, you need, even inside, you need electrolytes in your, in your hydration because plain water is not going to help you. Thank you. You're welcome, um, Heather Finney Armstrong. Hope all is well. Um, and about hydration, G2 Gatorade is different than regular Gatorade. I don't even know if you see regular Gatorade much anymore. G2 is okay. Regular Gatorade will actually dehydrate you because of the concentrations of yeah, electrolytes sugar. and glucose mostly in it. Um, it's, I don't know if it's glucose. It's probably some kind of sucrose, actually, which is a disaccharide. But... Um, yeah, it'll actually dehydrate you. So be careful with uh, Gatorade. Just use it half strength. But electrolytes, I will tell you this, that more people get in pro get to, um, in problems from drinking too much water without electrolytes than they do getting dehydrated. Mm -hmm. If you look at people that run triathlons, the Ironman triathlons, and people that are not, um, or marathons, and they're not trained really well, and they're not seasoned, they'll drink water at every aid station. And next thing you know, they dilute their electrolytes and they have cardiac toxicities because um, they've diluted their electrolytes. So electrolytes are super, super important. You can actually drink too much water and actually dilute your electrolytes. So electrolytes are very important. It's not some, some, um, you know, sales pitch out there. That's, that's just totally true. Uh, what else, Janet? That's it for today. Well, thank you for allowing us to, Educate you on heart rate training zones and why they're important. We are streaming from Hawaii. I know it's late in the Pacific Northwest, even later back east. But thank you guys for watching. And um, we will keep you up to date on our travels in Hawaii. That's we, We've we been traveling all day. We went whale watching today, and it was an epic, epic, epic tour. And we just got back, and that's one of the reasons we couldn't do it until now. So, um I will. We'll sign off for now, and you will see us on our regular schedule of the podcast, uh, twelve thirty to one thirty Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.